Welcome back to the Outreach Project. This is Josh. This is Zach. We are joined today with... Tiberius Schratzer. Welcome, Tiberius. How are you today? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we appreciate your time and coming on the share. You're currently right now leading us uh, Sunday Sunday mornings. How's that going for you? Uh, I do the easy part. You know, preaching, I think, is the easy part in a church. Um, uh, what the... The other pastors and staff and elders do behind the scenes. That's the the hard part. They do actually the day to day ministry. But um, I'm enjoying my uh, my time helping uh, the church in transition. I think God has gifted me uh, to do that, and I've been doing that since 2006. Okay, how did you how did you get into that? Yeah, I well, I first I was a pastor before I was a okay. professor. Uh, but when I was at uh, Bison Divinity School in Birmingham, Alabama, someone came to our, to our school and said, hey, our pastor is going to leave and we need someone to help us in the interim. So I, um, I said, sure. And I was hoping to be there maybe three months, and it turned out to be three years. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, but it was a blessing, and then uh, we moved here. I came to Grace, and then... Uh, Another church from Kalamazoo reached out. Say, hey, you want to come be with us for about three months? I said, sure. And then I ended up being there about two years. Uh, this was Calvary Bible Church in Kalamazoo. And then I uh, just got open these doors that I serve all these uh, churches in Fort Wayne and even here in Warsaw. And um, I think God has gifted me just to help churches in transition. Yeah. Who, uh, who reached out to you about the first church? Yeah, how'd you get into that? Yeah, Jeff who's the chairman of the elders, came, and that's because, you know, I had the uh, Kale writer in uh, class, and I had other students from uh, First Church there, and, uh, yeah, they reached out and asked if I was interested, and, again, timing was perfect. I was finishing my ministry at Blackhawk Church in Fort Wayne, and then I started here the week after I finished there, so here I am. Yeah, how was Kale in class? Oh, <laughs> Kale was, uh, he's kind of a rock star around Grace. He was always a very good student, uh, and uh, I knew he would get, uh, he, would, he would go far, and yeah. I'm glad to see what, what the Lord is doing in him and through him uh, in Ohio, and um, he's, uh, he's an amazing man of God, and God is using him tremendously. Yeah, it's pretty cool what they're doing out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's... Let's go a little bit back in your life. Um, you grew up in Romania. <laughs> That's a yeah. lot different than Warsaw, Indiana. You want to touch on that a little bit, what yeah. growing up was like? Sure. Uh, I, I remember, again, growing up in a, a communist country, um, and everybody knew it was communist. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the dictator, Nicolae Ceausescu, was a communist dictator, and I knew that because he killed pastors, he demolished churches, uh, and um, when I went to school, you know, they told me there is no God, um, and so it was a very atheistic Marxist government, and uh, the educational system basically backed them up. But also early on, I remember, um, you know, standing in line for a long time to just get bread or milk mm -hmm. or you know, meat you'd get very seldom. At one point, the government gave you a card, and they said, oh, you're a family of five. Okay, then this, then you get so much milk a month, so much uh, sugar a month, so much flour a month. So everything was rationed. Oh, and, um, but even, even then, you, it was not guaranteed that you'd get that food. You still have to stand in long lines and hoping that you, by the time you get there, they still oh. have what you want uh, to get. Um, but, you know, the Communist Party bosses, they lived the life. After Ceausescu actually was killed and uh, they uncovered how he was living, you know, they discovered a uh, gold, uh, uh, indoor pool inlaid with gold in his residence. So, you know, these guys were living the life while the people uh, were suffering. You know, our hot water was rationed. You know, you only had hot water between certain times of the day. Electricity was taken away during certain times of the day just to save money. But you still had to pay for it. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course, of course, of course. But uh, 
everything was everything was rationed. So it was it was it was a hard life, but uh, even so, I remember even though I would go to school and they would tell me there is no God and uh, we would have a hard life. Uh, I had a blessed life. My parents were believers. My grandparents were believers. So uh, I grew up going to church. Uh, I think Friday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. My dad was the choir director, so I would sometimes they would drag me along, you know, mm-hmm. to practices. Um, so I remember being going to church all the time. The other good thing that happened is um, in our house we lived with my uncle, who was uh, disabled. He couldn't he couldn't walk. So the job of us, our ki- the kids, me and my brothers, was to take lunch to him every day because my parents were at work. So our job was to take uh, food to him at lunch. You know, we would feed him, and in exchange, he would teach us how to read and write and to sing. Mm-hmm. That was his uh, talent. So even though when I went to school, they told me there is no God, I knew better because by the time I went to school, I knew how to read and write, and I knew uh, the Bible, and I knew, you know, singing and uh, music because of my un- what my uncle taught us. So it was, um, I, I think I had a very ha- happy childhood. Uh, in the summer, my parents would uh, send us to my grandparents' house in a village uh, about 60 miles away. And same thing, Saturday night, go to church, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, go to church. And then during the week, you know, take the cow to the pasture. And then in our free time, it would basically be outside just playing soccer all day long. There, there was, you know, mm-hmm. there, were no, there was no TV. That was a great thing. We didn't have a, a TV at my grandparents' house. And so every time we were, we were just outside playing soccer, hanging out with the kids. And then everything else was uh, around church. Everything was around church. That's the other good thing that happened when I was uh, when we would be there. I remember Sunday mornings. You know, from nine to ten you had prayer hour. From ten to eleven you had Sunday school. From eleven to twelve you had uh, the worship service. So every morning it was nine to twelve, and yeah. everybody was there. Uh, and if you think of what's happening in the church today, you know, if we do one hour a Sunday, we're good. Mm-hmm. But actually, do you know where Romania got that 9 to 12 idea? It was from here. If you look at church services 100 years ago, that's how churches, church services were here in America. Prayer hour, Sunday school, and then worship service. It was always three hours every Sunday. What, what happened? <laughs> you tell me what happened. <laughs> but actually, what happened is, if you look in history, what did we, why did we do away with first? The prayer hour. And then we did away with the Sunday school, and now again, if you kind of you know check one hour a week, one hour mm-hmm. a Sunday, you're fine. So I think we need to come back to the old times and uh, again make the the church what it needs to be a house of prayer. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's very important. Yeah. In uh, Romania, did you have to secretly go to church or? No. Um, uh, again, interestingly enough, the communists would allow you to go to church, um, and but they would, as I said, persecute the evangelicals. And the evangelicals had a name; they used the name for us. Called, we were repenters, because we repented of our sins. They called us repenters. It was supposed to be a mocking name. Yeah. Um, but and they would say, "Look, you guys can do whatever you want within the walls of your church. Just don't take it outside the, the church walls." But again, the Bible says that we need to share the gospel with everybody, so mm-hmm. we couldn't we couldn't stay quiet. So because of that, again, churches got in trouble. You know, you couldn't do really mission trips, uh, not organized at least. But I remember yeah. Sunday mornings, we actually, a group of young people from our church, we would take the train and go to v- certain villages around our city, and we would serve in those churches and then come back by train. So... Um, even though it was uh, against the law, you know, that, that never stopped us. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, we, we didn't get in trouble, I guess, because we were young. I don't know. But uh, the communists did demolish churches, did kill pastors uh, who did not cooperate with them. Which is scary, but we're also told that we're not going to be popular. We're not, <laughs> not going to be 
know loved by everyone for following god it's going to be hard and i think you had a great example of that growing up and then you get to america and sometimes people make comments to you so what you could get killed back in romania well not just in romania right now there are you know we have brothers and sisters who are being persecuted for their faith right now yeah i mean everywhere it's happening in in china in north korea uh, there are many places, uh, Cuba, uh, other places that are, Christians are being persecuted. What's interesting is that a lot of these places have uh, communist connections. And so the, you know, the freedom that they portray in the news mm-hmm. is just, uh, I think, on the surface. The truth is that, uh, remember how Marx started his Marxist philosophy, there is no God. That's that's the starting point of Marxism. That's the starting point of communism. And um, very pe- people uh, know that. That's why I was a little surprised when I came to the States. And some Americans were very enamored with socialism and communism. And I was wondering why, because they didn't understand the starting point of Marxism was there is no God. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then what age were you when you moved over? So uh, my dad defected when I was 14. So in the summer of 1984, my dad paid a fisherman three months wages to take him across the border into Yugoslavia. Okay. You know, the Danube flow, flows between Romania and what used to be Yugoslavia. And he paid a fisherman three months wages to take him across. He made it to Belgrade, where the United Nations had a ref- refugee camp. He made it there. You were safe once you made it yeah. there. And then they sent him to Italy. Then he made it here in November of 84. And then he did the paperwork for my mom, and my brothers, and I to come. So we arrived uh, here in January of 1986. Yeah. And I remember uh, arriving in Los Angeles, you know, LAX, skyscrapers. and all. I've never seen anything like that before. I just remember... I felt helpless, you know, what am I going to do in this country? Mm -hmm. But I realized right away that this is a country of all opportunities, good or bad. But I felt helpless. So I remember uh, kneeling kneeling down by my bed that evening and praying Solomon's Prayer. I said, look, Lord, I don't want riches. I don't want fame. All I want is for you to give me wisdom to know how to live my life. And... um, Again, that's that's still my prayer, uh, still my prayer today. And um, but uh, to back up a little bit, I became a believer in Romania. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, thirteen when um, it was kind of a funny story. In July of '83, my dad and mom and my brothers and my uncle, my aunt, my cousins, we were all at my grandparents' house. You know where we would spend summers. And one night there was a big uh, thunderstorm and um, lightning, and my dad had a dream. And he dreamed I was a little devil, you know, with horns and everything. (laughs) So, you know, he proceeded to uh, share that at the breakfast table, you know, everybody laughed. Everybody was laughing, and oh, little Tibbs, you know, he's a little demon, (laughs) little devil. Everybody laughed except me. Yeah. I remember going into the fields that day and just thinking, why would my dad dream such a dream? And I remember uh, after hours of walking alone, I, I remember saying, it's, it's because it's true. See, what happened is at, at school and with my friends, I would do and say what they would do and say. Mm-hmm. At church and at home, I was a saint. I mean, when people at church, they would tell my parents, oh, little Tibbs, he's such a good kid. But they didn't know I, I learned how to lead a double life. So that was in July of 1983. Fast forward to October 2nd, 1983. An evangelist comes to our church, home church. And back then, usually in the morning, the service was, would be for the edification of the church. But in the evening, it was evangelism service, focused on evangelism. Like training? to no. Then the evangelist would come and preach the gospel. Oh, okay. And you'd, you'd invite your uh, unsaved friends. And okay. So that evening, uh, the, the preacher was a former psychiatrist who gave up his practice to become a pastor. Mm-hmm. And he opens his Bible to Mark chapter 5, the healing of the demon-possessed man. Oh, man, I'm like, oh, 
I better listen to this. Yeah. So he, he goes on and preaches the message, and at the end he says, look, if Jesus can heal this guy, he can heal you too. So um, this guy was a pushy evangelist. So hey, if, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, raise your hand. So I raised my hand, and I was somewhere in the balcony, and he said, if, if uh, you raise your hand, come down in the middle of the church. So I had to make my way, my way down. And remember, this was church was packed. Imagine a church that set 300 people, there were about 500 people. I mean, standing yeah. room only. I mean, every uh, there was no room for anything. So I had to weigh my, uh, I made my way down and I just remember crying uncontrollably. I, I couldn't stop crying. And but also remember when I finished crying, I felt what the Bible calls the peace that passes all understanding. And I knew something happened. And that was the moment of my salvation. And um, so that was in 1983. My dad came in 84. We came in 86. And we lived in uh, Los Angeles. We went to a Romanian Baptist church there. And that spring, a pastor came. Uh, this was a pastor that was forced out of the Romania because of his beliefs. Mm-hmm. He was an Oxford-educated pastor. And he, he came in 1986. He said, communism in Romania will fall. Will you be ready to go back to your country and help rebuild it spiritually and physically mm-hmm. and you know, however way you can? And that's when I felt a call to the ministry. I was 16, and I, I felt that's that's my calling. I got to go to school, go to seminary, get a doctorate, and just be ready to go and help uh, rebuild my country. And that's when I felt a call to the ministry. And three years later, communism fell. Yeah. So this was 86, and in 89, communism fell exactly what uh, how he said. And I've been back several times. Um, actually, I applied with mission agencies to go back to Romania, but doors kept closing, and then while I was, while I was doing that, uh, the position at Grace opened up, and I applied, and I got a job. This is my 19th year at Grace. Mm-hmm. So I saw that God, for me, at least spoke through closed doors and open doors. He closed some doors, opened others. But the call to teach uh, never changed. I still teach the Bible, and I, I still uh, preach at churches. But um, yeah, that's how I got to. Um, um, that's how I got here to to Grace. Yeah. What's what's your education then? So uh, when we were living in California, because I knew I was going to go to seminary, I wanted to do something different, not Bible, because I knew I was going to get enough yeah. Bible. So. My undergrad degree is in urban and regional planning from Cal Poly Pomona. <laughs> and I, my uh, expertise was transportation planning. My thesis was this, the electric car will never make it. <laughs> 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 Apparently I was wrong. Uh, but at the time I remember what I was thinking is that the, the oil companies were too big to let it happen. Yeah. And then at least at that time to, to manufacture a battery you actually you created more pollution than you would save. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if the, those things changed, but I know the electric <laughs> cars are doing okay, but uh, I think the jury is still out on that pollution piece. <laughs> uh, and then I went to seminary, um, and then I got my PhD in Old Testament from Trinity Evangelical Divinity yep. School in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yep. And your first position at Grace was what? So before I came to Grace, I was a Bison Divinity School in Birmingham, Alabama. Okay. I taught there for four years, and when I came to Grace, I was associate professor of Old Testament, and then two years later, I became professor of Old Testament, and I was a, a chair of the department, then assistant dean, and now I'm associate dean of the School of Ministry mm-hmm. Studies, and I still teach Old still, Testament, yeah. Hebrew, other. Bible classes as they need me. Yeah, when when did you learn Hebrew? In seminary. So um, one of the beautiful things about Romania was in the educational system was the languages. In second grade, they made me take French. Oh. In fifth grade, they make me take Russian. In eighth grade, everybody learned Latin. So when I came to the States, I continued with, uh, with um, French. And then when I went to seminary, I learned Greek and Hebrew. And then in my PhD program, I had to learn German, which I think was the hardest language to learn. But not Hebrew? 
No, I think Hebrew, actually, even I, I tell my students all the time, Hebrew is actually easier than Greek. It just looks harder because of the alphabet, Yeah. but it's a simpler language. For example, in one year of Hebrew, you learn about 400 words because it's a fairly simple language. Okay. Greek, it's a more complex language. You know, you have, you know, all these cases and endings. Uh, in Hebrew, you don't have that. Interesting. It's yeah. It only looks hard, trust me, but yeah. it's it's really a simpler language than uh, Greek. It's not as complex. Well, I'll, I'll trust you on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what what languages do you know now pretty well? Well, I only know Romanian, and as you can see, I'm still learning English. But uh, I have reading knowledge of uh, Spanish and French, and uh, some Russian. Uh, and then, of course, Greek and Hebrew are dead languages. Only yeah. the professors are alive, but the languages are dead. Yeah. Uh, so, but we can read and write, and that's what we learn at uh, Grace. When you take Hebrew and Greek, we study the the biblical languages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, we don't. It's not modern Hebrew. And it's not modern Greek. But if you go to Israel, for for example, and you listen to their conversations, you can pick it up right away. Okay. So, what what drew you to studying the new or the Old Testament? As I mean, you went to seminary for it. So, like, what drew you to the Old Testament specifically? It's a great question. Um, I knew I was going to go teach in the seminary, so I did something that nobody told me I should not have done. I took Greek and Hebrew at the same time, and actually, I remember I had Greek from seven to nine every morning, yeah. and then I would go to Hebrew class. And I said, if I like Greek better, I'm going to teach New Testament. If I like Hebrew better, I'm going to teach Old Testament. And I liked Hebrew better. And uh, awful. that's when I, fo- I focused on the Old Testament. But it worked out really well, actually. Uh, and uh, I love it. I love the Old Testament. I think uh, it, it gets a bad rap from people because they just assume different things. Mm-hmm. As I said in church, uh, and I'm going to say it again, uh, a friend of mine uh, says all the time that the greatest obstacle to the knowledge of the Bible is knowledge of the Bible. You know, we think we already know it. Mm-hmm. So when we when we hear a story or uh, something about the Bible, oh, we already know it. But actually, if we studied in depth, we actually can discover many things, like we're doing it by studying Genesis mm-hmm. at church. Absolutely. And I think it's a beautiful thing that, and that's one of the beautiful things for me. I love the fact that. I get to prepare messages, and that's for me, that's where the joy is, is in the preparation. Mm-hmm. It's not in the presentation. It's in the preparation. That's where I feel the greatest joy. Are you still learning things as you oh. prepare? I'm assuming, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. I'm a, I'm a lifelong learner. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think if you come to a point where you say you already know it all, it's, it's probably one of the saddest days of mm-hmm. anybody's life. No, I... I gotta. I, I keep learning. I gotta keep reading. Um, I just finished another master's in higher education this summer because I I love learning and I gotta keep 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 learning. And uh, I that's the beautiful thing about the Old Testament. It's so huge. Mm-hmm. You you know I'm not an expert in anything. I'm like a generalist because I will never be an expert. There's so much there, but I can study little by little, book by book, uh, verse by verse. Yeah. Um, so let's let's kind of focus on some current. What's your day to day look like? Well, I'll give you an example today. Uh, actually, it's a great question for today because today I just start going to the gym at six forty-five. There you a. go. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be like Arnold soon. Uh, actually, uh, me and two of my friends, like Kevin Roberts and like Joe Graham, we're gonna work out every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at six forty-five a.m. Where at? At the rec center at Grace. Nice. Yeah, and uh, then at eight, I had the Hebrew class. I teach Hebrew one right now, and then I had a, a meeting, and then I had Old Testament, uh, which I have fifty-eight students in that class. It's wonderful. And um, then I had lunch actually with my son Nick. Every Monday we get together, we have lunch, and then we read oh, a book. Awesome. Yeah, we read a book. Right now we're finishing a book called Sacred Search, and um, 
it's it's something I started with uh, our old my old my older son uh, Tim, and uh, I keep doing that with Nick, and it's a good mm-hmm. thing. Then after that, I went to the office. I had office hours, then another meeting, and then I came home. Do students come to office hours? They do actually. Today really? I had two students. Yeah. Yeah, they always have questions and uh, sometimes related to class, sometimes related to um, their program, what classes to take. Mm-hmm. Today, for example, one student wanted to know if she can go to work in a church camp over the summer and get Bible internship credit for that. And um, Can't she? Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> You should yeah. do it if you're listening. Yeah, it's it's a great way to, <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to to gain ministry experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, really, probably hard question for you. What's your favorite book in the Bible? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people ask me that. I know. Um, it, it's it's it, it is really hard to to pinpoint a book that it's my favorite, but probably I would say Genesis. Because yeah. I have actually I teach a class purely on Genesis, because I think it's so foundational to everything, who we are, who God is, mm-hmm. what He wants of us, and He has all the answers to the problems of today. I mean, think about what's happening in our society today, and all our problems could be solved if we just go back to Genesis and see that we are created in the image of God. We are created to reflect and represent our Creator. And we learn about sin, how sin is rebellion against God, disobedience to God. And uh, that God uh, is the one who's going to try to bring us back into that garden state, in that relationship with Him. And you have the first messianic prophecy in uh, Genesis 3.15. So many good things happening there. The starting of the nation of Israel with Abraham in chapter 12. Uh, just amazing things that are happening there in the book of Genesis. And it's kind of like a trajectory for the rest of the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's what happens in Genesis. It's very, very foundational. Would Would you say it's the foundation of our faith, Genesis? Well, I would say that a lot of things that come out of Genesis is foundational. Okay. I wouldn't say just the book of Genesis. Yeah. But no doubt a lot of things are foundational. Either. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. What you got? Um... You got a favorite story in specific from the Bible? From the Bible. Or like something that's touched you the most? Well, it's, it's one that I, it is from Genesis that I try to emphasize to our students. Um, it's the story of Joseph. Because Joseph is, a, uh, is a, you know, I preached yesterday and I, I mentioned that quote that I like, that biblical characters are not portraits of morality, they are mirrors for identity. Mm-hmm. And that's true for you know, David, for example, and Solomon, and a lot of these guys that messed up. But Joseph, you know, Joseph can do no wrong. I mean, everything that he does, you know, he's a man of integrity. He he doesn't, uh, you know, he says no to temptation, no matter how big the temptation is. You know, his, his boss's wife comes to him day after day, day after day, tempting him, and he says no. Because he says, I don't want to sin against God. Mm-hmm. So see, that's a man of integrity. And that's why I'm trying to to teach our young people is that, you know, sure, look, God forgave David, no doubt. But an example for us is Joseph. That's the example for us. A man who says no to temptation, no matter how big the temptation is, and no matter how big the cost is. What did he get for saying no to sin? You know what he got? He got prison. You might think, oh. Hopefully he gets a nice Christian girlfriend the next day. No, he got prison <laughs> for for standing up and for being a man of integrity. So I would say uh, the story of Joseph is uh, one of my favorites. Yeah. yeah. Let's, uh, let's touch a little bit on your family. Um, you have two sons and wife. Where did you meet your wife? So Carmen and I uh, grew up in the same church, actually, in Romania. We sang really? In, yeah, we sang in the kids' choir together. I actually have a picture to prove it. Um, my dad actually was the choir director of the church, mm-hmm. and her dad was the organist of the church. So um, there's four years between us. So, you know, I didn't hang out with her. You know, mm-hmm. she was, she was uh, younger she, than me. She's younger? Four years okay. younger than me, yeah. So... 
I came to the States again when I was, I left Romania when I was 15. Um, so, you know, we just knew each other. But uh, when I was 26, I went on a mission trip to Romania with a group of uh, students from uh, Sacramento, California. And uh, that's when Carmen just graduated from college. She studied social work. And she got a job with an American organization called City of Hope. They would basically take kids that are on the street, like street kids, mm -hmm. and bring them into this house called the City of Hope. And because my wife had a degree in social work, um, she had a heart for kids. And that's what attracted me to her. So we, uh, I asked her out on a date. We went on one, one date. Was this... In so Romania. In Romania, yeah. When you went on the mission trip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so at the end of the mission trip, I stayed a couple of more extra days. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so we went on a, on a date, and then, you know, everything was letters. Writing on the, writing letters and talking on the phone. This was, we didn't have cell phones yeah. and all this stuff. And letters probably took a week, took at least. More, to more than that. Yeah. Oh, more than How that. Because Romania was still, you know, in the... It, no, sometimes it took... It, took weeks for a letter together really? and then get oh yeah so i i talked on the phone a lot with her and at this time i was a pastor in sacramento i was making fifteen hundred dollars a month those long distance calls man. well well that's how much my phone bill was one month <laughs> it was fifteen hundred dollars so i said man it's cheaper to, it's cheaper to get married than to keep this going so uh but but what happened is during this time uh, we set up one day for fasting and praying about our relationship. So uh, I, think, I think every Wednesday we we fasted and prayed for our relationship. And probably within a couple of months, I knew that she was the one. I, I really knew. So when I went back in December, you know, I, I um, bought two wedding bands. I proposed. She said yes. We had a civil ceremony there in January so she could come okay. here. She came here in March. And then in May we had the wedding. So we've been married 26 years, and uh, she's now a nurse, uh, working as a nurse. Um, and we have two sons. Tim is 24. He's married to Ashlyn, and he's um, second year at Indiana University's College of Optometry. He's also okay. a Grace grad. And then Nick is a junior at Grace studying digital marketing. Nice. Um, and... I brought up family because Nick's, Nick's mentioned your father a lot, and he was a big, big influence in your life. Um, yeah. Do you want to touch a little bit on... Yeah, both uh, my dad and my mom and my grandpa, they were all a very big influence on me. Um, my dad was the choir director, as I said, but mm -hmm. he worked in a factory. He had... Uh, I think a sixth grade education. What happened is when he was six years old, his father died in a freak factory accident. Oh, gee. Which left his mom with five kids and pregnant with the sixth. So when, when that happened, for some strange reason, they sent two of the boys to the orphanage. And that was my dad and his younger brother. So he, was, he spent four years in an orphanage which was a Christian orphanage. Uh, mm -hmm. It's ran by a coalition of churches. And actually, that's where I take students from Grace. Just this summer, I was there with a group of 23 students, and we served in that orphanage. Um, but yeah, he had a hard life. Uh, so from 6 to 10, he was in an orphanage. And then at 16, he entered the factory and worked in the factory until he left Romania. Mm -hmm. So a very hard worker, but uh, he had a gift for music, so... He was the choir director of our church. He would sing, and he 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 made it a point for us to learn how to play instruments. So he sent us to music school. So <laughs> I studied piano for eight years. My brother studied uh, violin and piano, and uh, we sang together. And we were always involved in in music. And that was because of my dad's influence. Uh, and then my mom was always by his side, always supporting him. And again, she worked in a, she stayed home with us until we went to school. Then once I started going to school, I was, I'm the youngest. Okay. And she got into work, she also worked in a, a factory until the, she left Romania. Is factory work 
pretty common in Romania? Yeah, I mean, uh, in my dad's case, uh, he worked in a diesel engine factory. Um, and uh, again, it was a work that he did for his whole life. Mm-hmm. And then when he came here, actually, he got another job in a factory from which he retired. Yeah. Uh, and I remember when we came to the States and he taught us, he said, guys, in America, it's not a shame to work. It's a shame to cheat, to steal, and to lie, but not to work. Yeah. So he taught us the value of hard work, which is something that you cannot learn from books, and that he instilled that in us, and I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad he did it. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to instill it in my children and in our students uh, as well. Yeah, sounds like it's working, so... I, I sometimes I think I work too much. I need to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do work a lot. Right now, you just published a book Saturday. Yeah, Saturday I got this book. Uh, it's uh, I've been working on a commentary on Proverbs. Um, it's an indis- interdisciplinary commentary. I wrote the biblical part. My friend Kevin Roberts wrote the psychology part. And Nunut Larson uh, wrote the pastoral part. He's okay. a pastor. So... Um, yeah, I wanted to to read the the dedication I wrote for uh, for my wife because I said the, the wise woman builds her house. I dedicate this work to my beautiful and wonderful wife Carmen, who embodies the wise woman in Proverbs fourteen one. I can see her genuine piety and the wisdom of her thoughts and actions towards me and our children. And um, yeah, this is a great book. I, I I like the fact that it's interdisciplinary, mm-hmm. that everybody puts their um, uh, kind of expertise on it. And we, we looked at different topics because you can't, it's very hard to write a verse by verse commentary gosh, on yeah. Proverbs. It's so, all over. Yeah, we picked uh, some topics like the fear of the Lord, faithfulness, parenting, patience, generosity, humility, speaking truth, speaking kindly, and then lifelong learning. You know, wise people are lifelong learners. Yeah, how long How long did you work on that book? Oh, this uh, probably took, um, I don't know, five, six, seven years. Jeez. It's usually how long a book takes yeah. to, to write if you want to do it well. And, of course, I don't write full-time because I teach yeah. and I preach. Um, but I have to put it on my calendar. If I put research and writing on my calendar, I, I do reach and, uh, read and, research and write. And right now I'm working on another book on the kings of Israel and Judah. That's my next book that I'm working on. Um, but, again, I only work on it, you know, when I have time. Yeah. How many, how many other books have you so my, my dissertation, uh, my PhD dissertation was published, and then I wrote a commentary on Ezra Nehemiah. Okay. I wrote a commentary on Ecclesiastes also with Dr. Kevin Roberts. I wrote a commentary on, Je- on Jeremiah with Dr. Walter Kaiser, and uh, this um, mm-hmm. this sacred wisdom, this commentary on Proverbs. Who is this Kevin Roberts fellow? So Dr. Kevin Roberts is the provost, actually, at Grace College, and he used to be the dean of the School of Behavioral Science. A very smart man and very godly man. And it was so easy to write with him because he's such a humble man. Same thing with Newt Larson. Newt was a pastor for decades. He's in his 80s right now. Oh, wow. And, yeah, he's such a a good uh, resource for this book because he's bringing in— he actually calls his area— Proverbs goes to church. So very practical um, Mm -hmm. applications uh, to whatever we're talking about. Yeah. And you just got connected with a lot of these people from Grace and just working together. Well, Kevin and I again wrote that commentary on Ecclesiastes. And that's, uh, I was teaching a a class on Ecclesiastes and Kevin came to my class and he sat in the class and then he had some insights. He was Mm -hmm. asking questions. He was giving some insights. And I said, Hey, why don't we write something together? And that's how that came about. <laughs> and, uh, and you just decided to write a book? Yeah, well, you know, because we both like the Ecclesiastes, and so let's let's write uh, let's write it together. And yeah. then this came uh, after that, and um, yeah, again, a very easy process because both these guys are so mm-hmm. humble and easy to work with. And you just do bits at a time. You're not. Yeah, usually, uh, like I said, if 
um, when I start my semester, like right now, I put one hour or two hours a week as research and writing. Yeah. And I try to keep those. Okay, no matter what happens, I need to do some research and writing during that time. Uh, actually, I just finished some Bible notes for a study Bible, the NET study Bible. I, I was asked to write the notes on Nehemiah, so I finished that. But, um, yeah, there's always work to do. I Sometimes you just have to say no, yeah. which I'm still <laughs> trying to learn how to, how to do. Is that your way of saying you didn't want to do this? <laughs> oh, this? Oh, no, this. This is easy. You know, I don't have to do any research. I just sit and talk to you guys. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. You know? Yeah. Um, so when we Googled you because we wanted to research, of course, be a little prepared, your Grace kind of bio came up. Um, and some of your interests included golf and ping pong. Um yeah, when I was six years old in Romania, I told you there was not much to do. Yeah. I mean, I would play soccer every day. Uh, whenever I could, I would play soccer. And then I remember at six, I walked into this place where there was this old guy who was giving ping pong lessons. So I went and I said, I want to learn how to play ping pong. So he took one of these tables and, you know, put it like this. Mm-hmm. And he just said, okay, you just sit here and hit backhands against the wall. And I would do that for hours. So I just started to play ping pong, and then I would, I played uh, some tournaments. When I came to the states, actually, I was ranked in the U.S. and I played tournaments. <laughs> Holy cow! But most most tournaments back then were on Sundays. So you know, oh. is it a church or tournament? So I gave it up. Mm-hmm. I still play for fun. Um, I give my students a hundred on the final if anybody beats me. <laughs> and in, uh, this is my nineteenth year. Four students beat me. Really? Yeah. Um, what was your highest world or U.S. ranking? Oh, I think it was under fifteen hundred. You know, they have that's how they do under. That's how they. Oh, okay. they yeah, it's it's a weird system, but thing is, I went under fifteen hundred. It was not high, but hey, that's. You know. <laughs> I've never been ranked in U.S. ping pong. <laughs> yeah, so. fair enough. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's fun. It's fun to play with students, you know, uh, and. Uh, it keeps me going. I, I started when I became a pastor at mm-hmm. 26 in Sacramento, California. A guy came to me and said, hey, now you, you're a pastor. You've got to learn how to play golf. Yeah. <laughs> so four of us guys, when I, and we got uh, like four lessons, like a group lesson, and I started playing after that. And then when my oldest son, Tim, turned six, I took him with me to play golf, and he, he liked it, and then he played through college. Really? Did he play so, at Grace? Yeah, he, he played three nice. years at Grace, yeah. Um, and then uh, with Nick, uh, you know, he played more soccer and tennis, which I also played. Mm-hmm. I played uh, tennis in high school and soccer in college. And uh, Nick liked both of those, so he played uh, tennis and soccer. And uh, we still play tennis for fun. We yeah. go and play the Grace courts. And, um, yeah, those are my uh, primary um Hobbies like to stay pretty active. Then. Well, I'm not active enough. That's why I started again this morning to go to the gym, and I I really want to stick to it because mm-hmm. uh, I I need to do some physical labor, not just the mental labor that I do every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, rumor has it you and Dave Richmond had a little golf time <laughs> set up. Did that happen? Yeah, we it was. Uh, yeah, we played with uh, Dave and uh, Matt and Brett. From okay. church, the basketball coach from uh, Columbia City and the yeah. football coach from Columbia yeah. City. So we played the the four of us, uh, and it was uh, great. Um, Did you win? Do you want to know? I know, definitely not. No. I think the basketball coach won. He's, really? Yeah, he's an athlete. That How did uh, Dave do? You can expose him. Um, I think they, Dave did well. I think I beat Dave. Okay. But don't quote me on that. I don't know. You'll have to ask him. (laughs) He was our last guest. Dave was. Did he did he confess anything? Uh we we didn't ask that. (laughs) (laughs) I you know, I don't remember. I I think I beat him, but don't quote me on it. Okay. Um yeah, I love Eagle Glen, by the way. Eagle Glen is a great great course. Yeah. Great course. Yeah. I usually uh actually I put on my calendar this week to 
play more golf you know especially now that the weather is nice <laughs> yeah until it gets bad it's not super hot right oh now. i don't know it's yeah. perfect perfect uh, so golf weather i need to play more but mm-hmm. uh, yeah sounds we'll like you're pretty busy yes it is <laughs> yeah but I, I like being out there and walking especially i like to walk uh, at okay. least if i go walk nine holes here yeah. at rosella or yeah it's great yeah nice um any other hobbies or favorite mm-hmm. TV shows? Uh, Not a TV guy? My or? wife and I like to walk or we like to go to Chicago. For example, this Saturday it's her birthday, so we're probably going to go to Chicago for the day. We just That's kind of our way to Take the train or? relax. We've done that in the yeah. past. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we might do that. I don't know. i got to talk to her, see what she wants to do. <laughs> Sometimes she wants to stay overnight, so I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do. But that's uh, again, that's one, one thing we like to do, just travel yeah. together. Um, you just went to Mexico. Yeah, we went to Mexico on vacation, which was, again, very good, very relaxing, which I really needed before school started. And it was good for Carmen, who she loves. We love going to those places just to relax and unwind. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You stay at a resort? Yeah, we went, yeah. To a, we, uh, we went to a resort where you don't have to worry about, you know, food. You know, yeah. everything is there. And they plan activities and stuff? Yeah, yep. yeah I, basically every day I just swam, and then in the evening they have entertainment. Oh, and, nice. Uh, yeah. What was the coolest part? You, you know, I was very impressed with the entertainment quality. You know, they have the pretty good musicians and... Huh these acrobats you know it was almost like america's got talent you know but well mexico's got talent <laughs> but uh, it was very very well done i was impressed with the quality of uh, oh yeah of uh, of you yeah, have the entertainment it was great yeah how many places have you been to you've done a couple mission trips in your life yeah yeah well primarily to romania mm-hmm. i've done a couple to peru Okay. And um, then I took students to Israel. Uh, this next uh, spring, we're going to Greece. Um, I've been to South Korea. Um, I've been to India. Are these on the Grace Encounter trips? Uh, not, not all of them. Uh, I went to South Korea and to India actually to teach. We had a Korean program. And I taught a Korean class, a class of Koreans. It was in mm-hmm. English. And then in India, a lot of missionaries would come to, to New Delhi, and we would have the class there. So I'm really blessed because I get to see the world. Yeah. And uh, I, I love taking students on these trips, for example. And uh, I think it's eye-opening, and I think it's one of the best education you can have is by actually going and seeing. Mm-hmm. And you learn again. You learn a lot more than just from books. Are you are you connected with uh, Pastor Joel DeSelm at all? Who? Is it DeSelm? DeSelm. DeSelm? He was... He was our intro pastor. Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard him pre- preach. Okay. No, I'm not. He, yeah. So he was on our podcast and talked a little bit about traveling to mm. teach as well how do you get those opportunities like how does that arise to go teach in south korea yeah well again we had a, a program at grace okay for uh, korean students they would come here it was primarily to get a doctorate in intercultural studies and so they would come here for some classes sometimes we would go there teach some classes uh, and that's primarily uh, what happened. Now the program is primarily online, oh, so okay. we don't we don't we don't get those opportunities anymore. But when I went to teach in South, in uh, Peru, for example, I was on the board of a mission organization called World Reach. So they asked me to go and mm-hmm. kind of teach the missionaries. Uh, so I went two summers in a row, and that was that was a good experience. Yeah. Um, do you have a home church when you're not? <laughs> When you're not filling in as a pastor? Yeah, I'm uh, uh, Carmen and I are members at Winona Lake Grace Brethren Church okay. here in Winona Lake. Yeah, yeah, but I'm assuming you <laughs> lately haven't attended. I haven't been there in a while, yeah. <laughs> and this next Sunday is my Sunday off, but we might be in uh, Chicago again. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, who's who's preaching Sunday? Can you share? Oh, Russ Moore, yeah. Russ, oh. Russ is back. Yeah, Russ, Russ is awesome. Russ is back, yeah. I love Russ. I love his teaching. That series he did on prayer. Yeah. It was amazing. Actually, I bought his book. 
Oh, there's a prayer. book? Yeah. Well, you see, you got to ask him about that. Okay. Hey, you should do a, a podcast with him. <laughs> Can <laughs> you tell him, please? <laughs> we tried. Well, you tried? <laughs> well, he's a, he's a busy guy. And no, he's not be that busy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you how you draw him. Hey, come to uh, Columbia City. Okay. We'll play golf at Eagle Glen, and then we'll do the podcast. All right. Will you play too? Yeah, I can. Right. I can uh, help you lure him in. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Okay. How How did you get to know Russ? You know, Russ was the pastor at Blackhawk many years ago. Okay. So, and then I was interim at Blackhawk twice. After Russ. Yeah. Okay. After uh, many years after him, because then he moved to California, but then he came uh, to Blackhawk for the fiftieth anniversary a couple of years ago, and he was on stage with all the previous pastors. And um, I think that's when I first met him. And then one of his daughters actually used to live in Warsaw. Oh. So I met uh, I met her and her family. And uh, and then we met on the golf course, actually. We have a common <laughs> friend, John Such, who's the pastor at Headwaters Church in, okay. Co- in uh, Fort Wayne, yeah. which is another guy that you could have for your podcast. He's an amazing guy. Nice. And uh, but both of them are good golfers. So through John, I think we just connected, and one day we played golf together. And then we started talking. And uh, yeah, I, I I I loved his heart. And uh, when I talk to people from Blackhawk, from the time when he was a pastor, they loved him as a teacher. Mm-hmm. He said he was one of the best teachers they've had. I believe he's coming to teach. Uh a series Sunday nights? Yep. He's going to do Ephesians Sunday yep. nights, yeah. And is it public? You're teaching Wednesday nights? Yeah. So I'm going to start uh, an evangelism class yeah. on Wednesday nights. Uh, I think starting the 20th. Don't quote me on that. But sometime in September, we're doing an eight-week series on how to share the gospel. Yeah. Sikafus talked to me about that a little bit yeah. and said towards the end of it, it's going to be kind of practicing oh yeah yeah oh yeah that's all practice we're gonna learn how to do it and then actually practice how to do it oh yeah. no doubt yeah. yeah aside from obviously the bible and great commission and whatnot where does kind of your studies come from for that for, for evangelism yeah. you know funny story when i was about i was a senior in high school i was coming back from i went to bellflower high school in california and i was walking home and there was a guy next to me walking alongside me and I wanted to share the gospel with him. Mm-hmm. I really, I felt the that fire. You know, I got to tell this guy about Jesus, and and I didn't know what to say. I was like, "Wait a second! I'm a believer. I grew up in church, and I don't know what to say." Yeah. So a few months later, this guy comes from John MacArthur's church, and he says, "Hey, we're going to teach you how to share the gospel." And there was this program called Discipleship Evangelism. Have you heard of Evangelism Explosion? I haven't. So Evangelism Explosion is this big program out of Florida where it's like a 16-week series on how to share the gospel, where John MacArthur took it and turned it into a discipleship evangelism. It's very similar, Mm -hmm. but basically 16 weeks how to share the gospel. And basically that's what we're going to use. We're going to use the same model. Did MacArthur teach you? Well, it was someone from John MacArthur's church. He didn't come. It was someone from his church that came. Yeah, and it was it was amazing because that was when when they came. I thought, yes, they were God sent because I wanted to learn. So I immediately joined. I learned how to share. I became a team leader. Then I became an area leader, and uh, it's 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 wonderful. And I think you know I've been in a lot of churches, and mm-hmm. what I see unfortunately is that two of the weakest ministries in churches are leadership development and evangelism. Yeah, and I think both of those are very important. That's why we're trying to do more leadership things at church, evangelism thing at church, and uh, your church does a lot of great things, and it's very well positioned for growth and for reaching out uh, mm-hmm. the community. Yeah, that'll be that'll be really cool. Yeah, it's gonna be Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights. What time? Do you know yet? I think it's going to be 6.30 to 8. 6.30 to 8, mm-hmm. starting late September. Sometime in September, yeah. yeah they'll, prob- they'll announce it, so yeah, yeah. I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, rumor has it, too, that bus trip you talked about, that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't a joke? You were The you were, ARC? The ARC yeah, encounter? Yeah, the bus trip to the ARC. Oh, yeah. I think the question is not if we're going to take a bus. The question is how many buses are going to go. Because when Love I, it. When I asked, a lot of hands yeah, came up. I'd go. 
So I, I had people already email me, say, put us on the list. So I know. Oh, nice. I know a lot of people don't want to go. So I think it's it's not a matter of if. I think it's a matter of when. Okay. So, but you should keep talking to Jeff Sikafus and yeah, you know, uh, he he wants to do it. So it's just a matter of getting He's it done. He's very excited about yeah, it. It's, yeah, it's a wonderful thing. Um, Gene Klingerman, I don't know if mm-hmm. you know Gene from church. He actually took my entire Old Testament class to the Ark a few years really? ago. Yeah, we 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 bust all the students. We went there for a whole day. It was it was wonderful. It's a great experience, and they keep building. They're gonna do like a Tower of Babel. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, it's it, it's gonna be great. I don't know if it's finished yet, but um, they're doing wonderful things there. Yeah. Well, I guess what does a trip to the Ark entail? Kind of just a day. Yeah. Going down, come back at night. Yeah, I think. Well, if I think if we're gonna rent buses, you know, take a bus, probably. I think it's a four-hour drive. I'm not too sure. So let's say we go six to ten, then stay there from like ten to four, and then come back. Yeah. That's, that's a, it's a whole day, yeah. That's easily doable, though. Oh, it's very doable, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'd be neat. Oh, it's. I think it's gonna be amazing, and everybody who's been, they they love it, and uh, those who haven't been want to go. So it's. I think it's gonna be a great trip. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of trips, we ask. Do you have a question or? I just want to thank you for coming on and um, sharing your story, and then also just thank you for leading our church through these past couple months. It's been really impactful and i know i've learned a lot from you and i know a lot of people in our church have learned a lot from you so i just want to thank you for that well thanks for having me i'm glad that i can do this and that i can be at your church again for this interim period and i i do pray uh, for the church again mm-hmm. i have that directory on my uh, desk i pray every every morning when i do my devotion i have the list i pray through one of the pages so i think i'm down to the m's right now um of the old th- church director? Not the old. I have the up-to-date list. Oh, okay. I didn't even know yeah. we had. Yeah, well, date. I had to ask for it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm praying, and uh, in a few weeks I'll be done with the, the directory. But I think there's a bond that happens between the pastor and the congregation when you pray for them. Mm-hmm. And I see that with our students. I started, I do the same thing with our students. I pray for them by name. I learn their names, I learn their first names, and I pray for them because I think, again, there's that bond that happens that uh, nothing else can break. Yeah, absolutely. Love to hear it. So we're kind of on the topic. Our last final question we ask all our guests is, what is your dream vacation? (laughs) Um, But there's no limitations, no monetary travel, time, constraints. Mm. It's a great question. I think my dream vacation, again, I think I'm also alongside my wife. Mm-hmm. I think my wife and I would always always wanted to go to the southern part of Italy. There's a place called Cinque Terre. And, uh, you know, it's on the side of, I don't know, the sea there. Okay. You've probably seen pictures of it. It's very picturesque. So I think, uh, and I think... If, God helps us. I think we'll go some someday. I yeah. don't know when. <laughs> but uh, we've been to Italy before, to Venice and Milan. But we've never, I've never been to Rome, for example, and I've never oh, been wow. to Florence. Never been to that southern part of Italy. So, uh, with God's help, hopefully someday we'll we'll make it. Yeah, just you two going, or well, uh, or take the whole family. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just sightseeing, relaxing, eating good food. I, yeah, I eat Italian food, you know, is, is is good food, you know. What's your favorite food? I know I said last question. Uh, you know, it's, it's again, hard. Uh, I make a lot of jokes about bacon, that I like bacon. I do like bacon. Oh, it's but, great. Uh, that's not, <laughs> I don't think it's my favorite, but, yeah, I, I like I like Mexican food. Mm. I mean, I think, I think I can eat Mexican food every day. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your stomach uh, may not like it. <laughs> like today, today Nick and I went to Yamato for lunch, and I said, I said, hey, let's have a, have a Mexican. He said, oh no, I had Mexican yesterday. I'm like, so? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can never have enough. But anyway, we went to Yamato. Nice. Is there food you don't like? Uh, I do not like raw fish. No sushi. I don't like I so if I eat sushi it has to be like shrimp tempura something that's yeah. cooked. I don't like 
really anything. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Well, sweet, man. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. And just like Zach said, we really uh, are very thankful for you during this time. Just your servant heart during your very busy schedule to prepare lessons, come teach. I know you say it's easy, but I'm sure many would agree <laughs> that it can't be too easy. Um, so we just really thank you for your time on this, but also, you know, you serving our church and community. I'm glad I can serve, and thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with that being said, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for watching and listening. If you have questions, comments, concerns, please reach out. Love to hear them. Um, yeah, we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.